0: And our children's children, what it once was like in America when men were free.
1: Welcome back to our number two of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. Sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And of course, this hour we do have our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary, right? It's not a rant. Oh, okay. It's it's like it. You're commenting, it's a commentary, but you're doing it in a calm manner, right? (laughs) He's getting (laughs) ready. Um, But our theme today is of. For and by the people. And our second hour is jam-packed with two authors, two thinkers, two men who value protecting our borders from politicians and from terrorists. Our first author, J. Thomas Rompel, author of The Fourth Branch, a fictional action thriller based on real-world events surrounding our southern border, terrorism, and politics. Are you with us, Tom?
2: I am. How are you, Cheryl?
1: Very well. And I am so excited. And my husband, Dan, is my co-host. He's here, too. And Hi, Dan. Hi. How are you doing, Tom? And we Good. are very excited to talk to you. You're, you live in Tucson, so you're basically you know right next to us. We're in Scottsdale talking today. Right. But, but we are talking to the nation, actually the world. Uh, we have a web-based uh, network, so we're talking to the world. And I love the title of your book, Citizen Warrior and I love how you call it the fourth branch because there are three branches of government, right? And you yes, say is. And what do you consider the fourth branch?
2: Well, I, it, the concept came to me. I mean, one thing when you study a little bit about the founding fathers and uh, what they intended when they created the Constitution, uh, and particularly the Second Amendment, uh, they didn't, and I'm sure you're aware of this, both of you, that they didn't create the Second Amendment for hunting. They didn't create the Second Amendment so we could defend ourselves in our, in our home against slimeballs trying to hurt us. No, they, they created the Second amendment, amendment expressly. If tyranny were to raise its head in the country, then the citizens would be empowered to do something about it. Um, and it it is designed where was supposed to be citizens are supposed to have the same kind of equal armament that the government has. Well, of course, over time, that has transformed, and we never will, have A-10 sitting in our front yard or Abrams or something. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, true. Well, I'm moving next to you, brother. <laughs> You're my kind of neighbor. Um, in any event, so... If you consider the possibility, it's not even a possibility, it's a reality. In in my opinion, all three branches of government are corrupt the executive, judicial, and legislative, they're all corrupt. Um, And I believe we are now living under a soft tyranny uh, that arose with the election of Barack Hussein Obama and his crew, a wrecking crew is what I would call it, Uh, but nonetheless, it's in existence. So. I introduced a concept in in my action thriller and it's through a radio talk show host, um, you know a lar- you know a very popular national one, of course, fictitional, uh, about the possibility that that if there all three branches of the government are corrupt, maybe there's a fourth branch, and who might the fourth branch be? Well, I suggest it's we, the people, are the fourth branch. They work for us, we don't work for them, and unfortunately, over time, it has morphed where it's as if we are working for these government employees. So that is the concept of the fourth
1: branch.: Well, I absolutely love that because Does that it makes. Ca- it totally makes sense, and it causes us to to really lean in right from the, the title the fourth branch what are you talking about what could it be Thank you. oh it must be me it's me and it's my neighbor and it it implies the responsibility that we have and i think we abdicate that responsibility far too often to like you say government employees people that work for us but we the lady we were just talking to right before you Um, She and I shared an an experience called the D.C. Project where women, one woman from each state went to the the nation's capital and met with our legislators. And we both kind of went there with this idea that they're, they're up on these pedestals. And, and thankfully, our Arizona representatives that we met with, they don't want to be in, on those pedestals. Actually,
3: they put us on a pedestal, it seemed like to me, when we were there. Well, that's a
2: rare occurrence for yes. elected officials, so I have will some. tell you. But there are some out there, yes. some good ones.
1: Absolutely. So so let's talk about your book. Your Now, this is your first book or the first in this series?
2: Well, it's the first in a, it is my first book, uh, and it is the first in a series. So yes to both questions.
1: And so there will be another, and I love how it, it reminds me as I'm going through it of the show 24, because it's broken down by, you know, minute by minute, a lot of times, uh, your chapters, and so it, you can just feel the suspense building just by, by thumbing through the pages and seeing, oh my gosh, what's going to happen at 319, because, right. <laughs> so, but I, I love that format, and and you you have personal experience that that led you to write this action adventure uh thriller
2: correct well I was uh involved in a business uh that uh, we dealt in tactical farms and accessories and I dealt a lot with military law enforcement um, all, you know of all all branches special forces almost on a daily basis and in particular i i uh, almost daily, interacted with members of the of the Border Patrol, and specifically in the Tucson sector. So the uh, the old thing from Obama and the government, the border is more secure than ever, as I know you two are aware of. That is a complete lie. Mm. One more lie coming out of out of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I w- I, over the years as I listened, I was frankly stunned. Mm. Stunned at the reports of these agents of what could happen to them if they actually do do their job and i'll give you an example mm-hmm. this is probably two year two plus years ago fairly recently so with that passage of the bill in arizona where if law enforcement pulls someone over and they suspect that they may not be from this country legally they are to contact the uh you know ice use immigration Mm -hmm. so down here in tucson a, uh, a tpd officer pulled over a vehicle and as he suspected there were some illegals in it and uh... Uh, you know, I like your show. By the way, I know it's absolutely fine to say "illegals" on your show. You're not politically <laughs> correct. That's right. Instead of undocumented aliens, we, no, they are illegals. We just uh, want
1: to call things what they are. That's all. I'm yeah, a simple person. Exactly. I want simple yeah. things. Talk to me simply. Yeah.
2: So, in any event, um, so th- they they call for board, you know U.S. customs to come over, not customs, but Border Patrol to come over. Well. Apparently what has happened, there's flash mobs have been organized. And by the time the Border Patrol agents get there, and this one individual I was talking with, he was the lead guy on it, there was like 20 or 30 people there protesting, um, you know, what was happening to these illegals. They actually crawled underneath the Border Patrol uh, vehicles that were on scene. This agent told me, they were instructed that if they touched those protesters and pulled them off from any their vehicles, they would be arrested for assault. What? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it is... The world
1: is upside down. That's what I'm hearing you say. upside saying.
2: down. So, in any event, I... Uh, was able to over the years. Uh, I'm, one of the other things I do, I, I've owned companies almost all my adult life. I also have a management consulting practice where I coach business owners. I've done that since the mid '80s, uh, and I'm an expert in something called paradigm coaching, paradigm shift. So, paradigms is really where you where you see what what is what is causing or what's shaping people's actions. know what's behind it why are people doing what they're doing Mm. uh and i started seeing a particular pattern it was i mean who could not see it right (laughs) Right. (laughs) that we're in trouble um and i had i had over the years i had started a couple different books and you know i didn't follow through on them but this this was just burning and a friend of mine uh this is probably four years ago four years ago called me his former seal team member had uh, called me up and went, Come where and go get a bite deep. Great. So we go buy it. We go get get a bite deep. And I bounce this, this idea I have off of him. And he says a couple of things. And it, it just crystallized. Mm-hmm. And so about two years ago, I, I began it. And I just started getting it out of my head onto the paper, so to speak. It took about a year and a half. It went up on the Amazon. Uh, At the very end of March, it made the Amazon bestseller list about a month ago.
4: Wow. And
2: it's actually currently, right now, it's being adapted for a screenplay. And and keep your fingers crossed, it's going to go to the market over there in Hollywood in the first quarter. And this may show up on the silver screen.
1: Wow. Well, that's fantastic. And um, attached to your your guest page that I've made for you on uh, gunfreedomradio.com is the trailer. You had a trailer made yes, that looks like a Hollywood <laughs> blockbuster trailer for a, your book. And I thought, how clever is that? I've never seen that before. That was
3: awesome. I, I, I was bummed out, though, because I don't have time to read. <laughs> and so I'm going, how am I going to find out what's going on here?
1: We had four people uh, looking around my shoulders at the computer screen. They were like, oh, I want to go see that. I'm like, well, <laughs> well
2: you can it, read it.
5: <laughs> well,
2: there's been the... the a uh, particular producer uh, is pretty well known in Hollywood. That's doing it. Uh, that is managing the own project, and he's he actually has a very big name A-list actor who I can't mention who they they want to cast it for. Awesome. Uh But there's no guarantee. You know, Hollywood is all about, it's a business. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, and I understand that I'm a I'm a business owner like you. You too. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we shall see. But that's my intention. And in the meantime. I'm already on to the sequel. Uh, the sequel is Citizen Warrior, The List. Um, and i got to tell you what happened over those years that I was involved in the business and dealing all these agents. made some great friendships. Um, people talk off the record. You know, what we see, they come to me and they would talk and they would share things. And that's, Really, a lot of the things that formulated my ideas for the, the story in itself, and it really is inspired by true events. Uh, and I just added fictionalized characters. Uh, honestly, some of the characters, um, you know, uh, many of them are real-life characters, people that I know. Um, mm-hmm. Names have been changed, but um, that that's the flavor of the book. And it, it, is, it is a very fast pace, as you're saying, Cheryl. You get a little bit of sense of it. It's fast-paced. There's a lot of tension. I've had a number of people tell me uh, that you know they they can't they can't put the thing down. Well, that's great. As an author, that's my job is to write something that's entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know, where people are compelled to read it. That's a, that's an author's job. Is in terms of novels, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Um, well, and I can tell you on my reviews on Amazon. I have five-star reviews and I have a couple of one-star reviews. One thing I've learned now after it's been up like four months, whatever it's been, Mm -hmm. you either hate this book or you love it. (laughs)
1: Well, I'd say you're doing something right then, right?
2: Well, right. I'm I'm telling you, the two one-story views, it's not about the book. It's a a flat attack on me Mm -hmm. and my views. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey,
3: Thomas, we're running out of time, Mm -hmm. and I want people to know how to follow you.
2: Well, two ways. You can go to Amazon, obviously, and uh, when you get there, type in Citizen Warrior, the fourth branch, or if you just type in Citizen Warrior. Uh, mine will come right at the top of, of the, uh, the the, the selection you can have. Or they can go to jthomasrompell.com or citizenwarrior.com.
1: Well, very and cool. Thank you so either, much for, for coming on. And we're going to have to have you back on again and find out how the sequel's going, how Hollywood's going. Yeah, and
3: Tom, if, if you need any guns for your movie, let me know. I got a couple.
1: Yeah, <laughs> more than a couple. Well, you
2: know what? Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm just sitting in the, I'm, I won't be organizing that part, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, more. that's good to know. I don't know if you rent them out or not, but I know Hollywood, uh, absolutely.
1: you know, absolutely. there's
2: people in that business that does it. So.
1: Tom, and, uh, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, well, I want to thank you both very much for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, any questions you have about the book or anything? Or?
1: You know, I'm just still wrapped up in it, so when I'm all done... I'll be, I'll be ringing you up. I'll see what uh, what comes to mind. So Didn't Tom, bring me up. Absolutely. And, uh, Tom Rumpel, Citizen Warrior, the fourth branch. Thank you, Tom.
2: Thank you very much, both of you. You both have a great day.
1: You too. All right. Well, stick around, because right after this, we have Dr. Sebastian Gorka, author of Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War.
6: When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt,
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by AZFirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And we are talking today about of for and by the people. That's our theme. And our next guest is someone who is passionate about these values in our government and passionate about protecting and preserving our safety and security. You've seen him on Fox, on CNN, on MSNBC. Dr. Sebastian Gorka is an internationally recognized authority on issues of national security, irregular warfare, terrorism, and is the author of the new book, Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War. Welcome to the show, Dr. Gorka.
4: Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Now, the reason I wanted to, to have you on is because we have this crazy election brewing, right? Everybody is, they're tense, they're nervous, and still you hear people talking about, well, I'm just going to vote third party. And, you know, voting third party, I guess that's all well and good and fine, but it has consequences. And I think that you speak very well to the consequences that our voting will have on the political landscape. So I thought I'd I'd ask you to kind of speak to that aspect. What would the consequences be, particularly as it relates to our, our Constitution and our Second Amendment rights?
4: Well, the fact is voting third party is just a protest vote that does absolutely nothing for your national security uh, or for the security of the pub of the of the republic, so it's it's basically you might as well you know tear up your voting slip and throw it into the trash can at the polling station, because the way the uh, American political system works is it's a competition between two candidates: the nominee of the Democrat Party and the nominee of the Republican Party. So so unless there's some deep uh, ethical Argument you can make for for not choosing one of the two candidates who could actually become president—a vote for you know Gary Johnson or a vote for the environmentalist Jill Stein—is is an irrelevant action in today's American political system.
1: Well, and that is—and I'm nowhere near as educated on these things as as you are, but. History shows us that, right? Tradition shows us that. At In November, it's going to be between the person with the R next to their name for Republican and the person with the D for, for Democrat. And if people really, truly want to invest their votes in a third party, they have to start laying the groundwork far in advance, wouldn't you say?
4: Well Yes, yeah, if, if we want to talk about a, a third-party alternative, which is, You know, we have a right to do that as Americans and remember that, you know, that we have had other parties uh, in American history. But you can't do that 70 days before uh, an election. If you want to have a third party, it's probably going to take five years, if not a decade, to establish it and to create the, the infrastructure that means any candidate of that third party would have a chance of getting close to presidential election uh, in practical terms.
1: Well, and I, I do agree with that. And so I get frustrated when I hear people say, well, I have to vote my conscience because I can't vote for Hillary and I can't vote for Trump. And I'm thinking, really? You want to start talking about your conscience right now, 70 days out? That's not how it works. If you really had that that conscience driving your behavior, you would have started the ground game. You would have done what it took and and volunteered your time and mobilized people to really get that third party going. But what I really hear people do is it's kind of like they whine about the fact that, oh, it's not fair in America because the third party is suppressed.
4: Right, and and people with that kind of statement... Are, are ignoring the realities of what electoral politics are about. There's, there's one phrase, one cliche, that really has a, a lot of weight to it, and it's uh, the it's conventional wisdom. The art of the possible. It's not the art of the ideal. It's not about angels. It's about <laughs> reality. It's about what is possible. Uh, and as a result, one shouldn't make the the perfect or the ideal, the enemy of the good.
1: Absolutely. I love that. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with dreaming. America was built on dreams, but it, it has to be backed up with, with sweat equity, with actually doing work. And and uh, the difference between, what they say, the difference between a, a wish and a plan, or a wish and a... a A hope is an actual plan or something like that. I think I just butchered that whole thing. (laughs) But, um, you know, you're a believer in, in armed citizens being a deterrent to terrorist acts. Your book is about terrorism, defeating jihad, the winnable war. And so, you know, talk to us about what would America likely look like under a President Hillary Clinton versus a President Donald Trump and I don't even want to say a, a, a third party, because I really don't think that that's a viable candidate. But, but just kind of kind of compare and contrast some of those things for us.
4: Yeah, so um, I've met Donald Trump. I've advised him last year on national security issues. I'm not a member of his campaign, so that's, that's the full disclosure up front. Um, but I will have to be very frank. I, I grew up under Margaret Thatcher in the U.K., For me, Ronald Reagan is the epitome of of conservative uh, leadership. Um, We don't have the luxury of living back in the 1980s. We have a choice between Hillary Clinton, who was a cabinet member for President Obama, and a a real estate tycoon from New York called Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton, uh, if she becomes the commander-in-chief, as far as I'm concerned, that will be a catastrophe for the republic. This is a woman that some people call pragmatic. Uh, I don't think she's pragmatic. She's only interested in one thing. She's not interested in the values of the nation. She's interested in Hillary Clinton and Clinton Incorporated. For her, it's about money and it's about power. And if she has to throw the Second Amendment under the bus because she thinks that's going to keep her in office, she will do that without a moment's hesitation. Uh, When it comes to uh, Donald Trump, um, he's been very explicit. He's had uh, very, very significant discussions with the NRA. The NRA has endorsed him, uh, and he is very, very clear-sighted about the threats to America. He understands that we are at war. He is prepared to call the enemy what they are, which is Islamic terrorists, and he wants to defeat them. And he understands that the threat isn't just 8,000 miles away in the Middle East. It's on the, our doorsteps. It's at a Christmas party in San Bernardino. It's at a nightclub in Orlando. It is here on the shores of the United States.
1: Oh, so true. Doctor, and Doctor, can ahead. I ask you what,
3: would you, what would you advise the new president to, to help keep us safe? I mean, what, what will your views of that be?
4: Well, that's why I wrote my book, Defeating Jihad. And, and my book is a, is a primer on what the enemy believes, the strategy of groups like ISIS and al-Qaeda. And then it concludes with a plan commander-in-chief to, to defeat these groups. And it's very simply the following three recommendations. Number one, we have to get politics, and a specifically a political correctness, out of the threat assessment. And the idea that you're not allowed to call the enemy a jihadi when they call themselves a jihadi. The idea that you're censored from talking about religion when the enemy says they're a holy warrior, that has to end. So no more politics in the intelligence cycle. Talk about the enemy uh, truthfully for what they are, evil religious totalitarians. Second thing is we, for, the, for the, uh, the long-term success, we have to empower uh, our Sunni allies. There are Muslims in the region who are Being decimated like the Christians, like the Yazidis. We have to help them crush ISIS. It shouldn't be the 82nd Airborne or the Marines that have to redeploy. They should be advisors, but the front line of of troops should be local Arabs that are are being targeted. And then lastly, a lesson from the Cold War, uh, the long-term victory will be won when we delegitimize the ideology of the enemy, just like President Reagan destroyed the the ideology of communism. We have to do the same thing for jihadism. That's a large propaganda or counter-propaganda campaign. And in the meantime, Americans need to educate themselves. They need to arm themselves, and where it is legal to do so, get a license to carry a concealed weapon, because you have responsibility to protect yourself and your loved ones from the threat that is already here in America.
3: Right, and probably the reason we are a little bit better than other countries is because the people that are making threats have no idea who's carrying, who's not carrying, and they want to cause a lot of damage, and they won't do it if they're afraid they're going to get caught quickly. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, a recent study, I I, I was sent a recent study on mass uh, casualty shootings in America in the last 20 years. And uh, the individual looked at the largest mass-casualty shootings and where they were located, and he found something stunning. Nine out of ten of every mass-casualty shooting in the United States occurred on a location where concealed carry was prohibited. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. The bad guys, the psychos, the terrorists, for them, you are fish in a barrel. If you are in a gun free zone and that is the reality of the threat environment.
3: We're gonna be going on break soon, but what I'd like to know after the break is how do how do we how do the people that are against concealed carry
1: fight that argument? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's a great question. So we're gonna to run to commercial and you'll stick around with us, Doctor Gorka?
4: Yes, absolutely.
1: Thank you. Awesome. All right. We are speaking with Dr. Sebastian Gorka, the author of Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War. And we have more with Dr. Gorka right after this.
5: Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty
4: Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and
2: see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action.
6: Or check them out on the web at PottyGoldEstate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today.
5: Dedicated to promoting a better
0: understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org.
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are talking today with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Uh, Our theme is Of Four. And by the people, Dr. Gorka is an author of the book "Defeating Jihad: The Winnable War," and we're just talking and we're digging into the ideas today of is our government still of for and by the people, and what can we do to ensure that we stay or reclaim being of for. And by the people. And, and we're honored to be able to explore that a little bit with um, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. And Dr. Gorka, right before the break, we kind of posed a question. Um, and I'm going to frame it a little bit here. So, So in past years, past generations, if a presidential candidate had tried to run on a anti-gun, anti-rights platform, it would have been a losing proposition. But here Hillary Clinton has spoken right out in plain English that she thinks that the Australian model is a good model, which is an anti-gun model. And we have terrorism in our streets in America. Of course, the, the media and the politicians want to paint it as something besides terrorism. They want to make it you know, uh, workplace violence and, and disgruntled workers and that sort of thing. But how, at this time, do the anti-gun rights people feel that this is the moment to disarm America?
4: Well, it's very simple. Um, they have a willful misdiagnosis of the threat. Um, remember, um, after each of these attacks... They never talk about who the attacker really was and why they perpetrated the attack. Uh, After Orlando, it wasn't a terrorist jihadi. It was a man who had putative, crypto-homosexual tendencies and was taking his frustration out against his Latin lover. This was the bogus story that was spun for about two weeks until the FBI said there's no evidence. Um, There's talk about... the the shooters being bullied at school it's it's not about people who are evil and want to kill us it's either people who have suffered and respond to their suffering by killing others and then the other part of their menu the other talking point is well it's the access to the gun it's the gun itself that's the problem which is which is the oldest argument in the book the the inanimate object is the problem when, when what we see in reality, if we see in France, in Nice, a man steals a truck and kills 80 people with a stolen truck. It's not the weapon or the mode of killing that matters. It is, of course, the, the intent of the individual that is the most important thing.
1: And the body count is, is the intent, right? They're not there to rob Well, the, the intent
4: bank. is to murder. Yes, to murder and to maim. Yeah,
1: they're they're they are they they do not have a, you know a mission to they're not Robin Hood you know they're not stealing from the rich giving to the poor they just want a body count and whatever will give them that the largest body count is what their goal is and to think that this is the time to try to disarm law-abiding American citizens like you and I to me boggles my mind and you know it seems to me that we used to be upset about being lied to. You know, we'd get mad if somebody, or hurt if somebody lied to us. And now it feels like, as a populace, we are running to those who will just tickle our ears.
4: I mean, look, that's a completely different discussion. The issue of how much politics has become a kind of celebrity uh, TV um, kind of reality show. thats That's another issue. But 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 that's that's that doesn't un- that doesn't undermine or take away from the fact that the talking points of the the anti-gun movement haven't changed it's very clear the gun is evil and the second amendment is about deer hunting yeah that's the argument
0: yeah. quite yeah. simply
3: we were talking this morning about people that want to do mass murders they they want to get a bunch of people. They don't want to just get one or two. They're not afraid to die. They, they can take that, but that's why they go to these gun free zones because they have a more of a chance to kill more people and, and do their deal. Right.
1: Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Just, just look at what ISIS has been doing. So Al Qaeda was kind of stuck in, in the, um, Question of can they outdo 9/11? They did. They did this incredible heinous attack: 3,000 people in 102 minutes. And as a result, they were kind of painted into a corner. They had they had to go bigger, even more spectacular. ISIS far more pragmatic. They said, we don't need weapons of mass destruction. We don't need to hijack planes. Um, We're just going to mow people down. We're going to make you know bombs out of uh, fertilizer. We're going to Stab people. We're going to kill somebody with a machete, a pregnant woman. We're going to behead a Catholic priest in France in front of his altar. It's low tech, but it's high yield. Think about what I want your listeners to think about one thing. Imagine if just one person had been a licensed concealed carry weapon holder uh, at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando or at that Christmas party in San Bernardino. One person returned fire, didn't even hit them. I'm not talking about somebody who's a dead iron marksman who's gone to, you know, Frontside Academy or to studied under Jeff Cooper. I'm talking about somebody who's just returning fire. Because when you return fire against the terrorist perpetrator, it makes it very hard to mow down your target. If one person had done that, uh, many of those 49 people and the in in uh, Orlando and the 14 killed in San Bernardino would still be alive today.
3: Right. I remember an example in South Africa where the church, where they attacked a church, and one guy with a revolver shot one round and they ran. Right. And they caught right. him. They caught him and they said they were there to kill everyone.
4: So, right. So these, these people are not hardened special forces operators that have been tested in the. In the in the battlefields of Iraq or Afghanistan, they're jihadi amateurs. Maybe they've gone to the range. Omar Mateen went to the range before the Orlando hit, but they're not used to having rounds fired at them. Right. And as a result, uh, it's it's one of the greatest defenses we have is the Second Amendment.
1: Well, I agree, and I I believe that you know it is a greater deterrent. A greater threat to those who would seek to harm us if we are have a populace of responsibly prepared, safely armed citizens. And you know, I saw you on on Hannity, and you you were talking with a general whose name escapes me, Flynn, General Flynn, and he just wrote a book as well. Um, but you both, you, it lifted my spirits because I do start feeling just. Um, you know, uh, discouraged when I watched the news night after night, but you both said with absolute assuredness assuredness in your voice that this is a winnable war, that the jihad can be defeated, that the the ISIS can be defeated.
4: Yeah, I, I, I reinforced what the general said, and I'm going to borrow his words again because they were so well a he said, and this is the man who was a General, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, the former director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. So he's, he's the most senior ranking military intelligence officer in U.S. federal government. So he knows what the threat is. And he said it quite clearly. He said, there is no enemy that the American people cannot defeat. No enemy. Doesn't matter whether it's the Nazis, the communists, or the jihadis. But you have to believe and understand that you are at war and you have to be prepared to take those measures. And those measures include not just sending our brave men and women into theater, but it means protecting yourself because the war is here. If you go to my website, the Gorka t h e g o r k a briefing.com, com, mm-hmm. briefing dot com, the Gorka dot com. You can download a report that gives you all the statistics. It's an unclassified report. Since ISIS declared the caliphate in Mosul two years ago, we have killed or arrested 110 ISIS supporters in America. Not 10, Mm. not 20, 110. The war is real. The war is here.
1: Well, and you write about it in your book Defeating Jihad: The Winnable War. Dr. Sebastian Gorka, thank you so much for spending time with us here today and talking about the consequences of the election to come and and lifting our spirit by saying that there is no enemy that the American people can't beat. I know you borrowed those those words from General Mike Flynn, but I think you know, sometimes the enemy is a domestic enemy. Sometimes the enemy is ourselves when we're lazy and we don't want to invest ourselves in, in making uh, an informed vote. And, and I am encouraged by your, by your words.
4: Thank you kindly. God bless and watch your six.
1: Thanks so much, Dr. Gorka. God bless you. God bless your work. Thank you so much for your work. And and please be sure to check out his book, Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War. Check out his website. Uh, he has a guest page on gunfreedomradio.com and uh, clickable links to, to getting his book and learning more about um, his all the work that he and his wife, Catherine, do to help keep America safe. And um, I, I just don't think we can hammer this point home too often and with too much emphasis that we have an election in front of us that elections have consequences and you know vote how you believe you should vote but get informed figure out what your vote means and i'm telling you no fence sitting. do not listen to our show and be a fence sitter
3: right and talk to other people about voting and Listen to what they have to say, but defend what you're right, what you believe is right.
1: Absolutely, you don't have to, you know, go to the mats. You don't have to lose friendships over it. But I think that a healthy debate is needed and good, and uh, make informed votes, everyone out there listening. All right, well, stick around because after this message, we have our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary. Home.
2: Hi, folks, I'm Don Carr here. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make
4: it yours too.
5: Come listen
6: to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com.
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio where we engage, we educate and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Cheryl, how did you get a lineup like you got today? What's What a fantastic group of people. I know. It's it's incredible the people that um, just they just say yes. I just <laughs> I call them up. God helps us out and uh it's, it's really wonderful to be able to uh, pick these people's brains and, and bring them to the airways and, and engage in those dialogues. You know, just kind of like, you know, let's just dig into this. Of course, I always sort of have an outline. I have some questions prepared just so I don't blank out and forget what I'm doing here. But um, it's nice to be able to just, you know, take the time and, and dig in. So we, well, we
3: I, um, I'm getting older And I thought I couldn't get any smarter. But every time I hear one of
1: these episodes, I I seem to smarten up a little bit. (laughs) Well, that's our goal, right? Right. Because we engage, we educate, and we inform. That's right. Well, it is now time for one of my most favorite things that we do on this show. And that is our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report.
4: Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way.
1: Well, Dan, I've noticed after reporting for a solid year, because we are in our second year now, uh, a solid year's worth of stories about responsibly armed citizens, that danger is selfish. Danger shows up where he wants, when he wants, takes what he wants, and leaves it up to the rest of us to figure out how to deal with his aftermath. Danger sometimes decides to steal what isn't his in the middle of the night and he and his friends don't look too kindly on having their thievery interrupted so as happened one night in texas and you can imagine yourself in this scenario it's one thirty in the morning right you've worked a long day you probably just dozed off a hour or two before and you hear noises coming from somewhere is it is it the backyard Is it maybe on the other side of your fence or maybe it's from the business across the alley from your home and you know that nobody should be in your yard and that business is closed at this late hour so you step outside and you see what's going on out there and at which point... You meet danger and his friends, and there's no time to retreat. There's no time to call the police, and danger is closing in on you. Well, if you are a responsibly armed citizen, you have options. You have the option to defend your life against danger, and that is what one San Antonio homeowner did.
5: You do. This morning, a Southside homeowner says he feared for his life, told police that's why he shot a man who he caught stealing.
7: Now, the last word we had is that he was in critical condition at a hospital with gunshot wounds to his upper body and leg. Police say he was actually one of three men who the homeowner says he caught stealing before 1.30 this morning in an alley just off the 3900 block of South Fresno. They say that the man took tools and a compressor from a storage yard. The homeowner told police that he heard a noise, then went outside armed with a rifle to investigate. He says that's when two of the suspects confronted him, causing him to fire that rifle. And those suspects then jumped back into their truck and drove away. The police say they turned up at downtown Baptist Hospital. The uh, man who was shot had to be transferred to university, though, because of his condition. Police arrested the other two, and they say they did find that compressor on a street just south of downtown. Reporting live from the South Side, Katrina Weber,
3: KSAT 12 News. You know, compressors are only $249 at Home Depot. Come on. I mean, you know what your medical
1: bill is going to be, guys? Just think about it. And you can get them on credit. Come yeah, on. I, yeah. And and I just, I don't know why it makes me laugh a little. It's not funny. The whole story is somebody getting shot and somebody being in danger to the point that he has to defend his, himself with a firearm. And. That But that they have to report that they found the compressor laying in the street. it's like, how big is San Antonio? It must not be a very big <laughs> city. Well, if I, that's I'm <laughs> glad
3: that, the, you know, some <laughs> people would say you should have just called the police.
1: Yeah.
3: Or the popo or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, no, the, he did the right thing. He did went you just out there, say the popo? He, I yeah
6: he did he definitely did <laughs> well
3: it depends I'm you glad know, thanks San- Ed I'm glad you're here Ed, as a witness I don't know San Antonio I don't know what they, what they but anyway he Yo, had man it's the five zero.
1: 0 this show just took a turn I don't know what just happened
7: anyway
3: <laughs> um you know he went out to see what the noise was and obviously I wouldn't go out there without protection yeah because you don't know if it's uh somebody breaking in or you don't know if somebody's you know having trouble back there or what mm-hmm. so you went to go see if you could help mm-hmm. and yeah i would take my firearm too and so thank god we have laws to protect
1: mm-hmm.
3: people's rights to save you know protect themselves so
1: absolutely but we know from other guests we've had on that um depending on what the laws are there in in his city in his state uh he may have even spent the night in jail while right. police sort it out, right? They're going to confiscate his firearms. So, you know, you really need to know. Uh, you need to be trained. And, you and need meanwhile, to know what your the laws compressor's are. on the side and of the street. And meanwhile, the comp- compressor down. Compressor down. <laughs> Yo, man, did you see that compressor line in the street? Let's go get it. <laughs> uh, that's Ed Vanderley. That is uh, <laughs> uh, our studio uh, executive having a little fun with us today. It's, that's fun, Ed. All right. What is my second favorite thing? Well, there have a lot of favorite things in this show, right? A hamburger, a real thick hamburger. Um, Sounds pretty good. But actually, I'm talking about Dan's commentary.
2: Tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it.
3: I'm supposed to say calm. And I, I, this is a little of a long story, but we went to a uh, debate this week. I'm not going to say where it was. I'm not going to say who was involved in the debate, but one of the people was a very educated statistics person, New Statistician. Yes, yeah, yeah, statistician. He knew about uh, concealed carry on campuses and the effects of it. And he had all these these uh, figures. And the dangers of gun-free zones. Right. And to debate that, there was a uh, representative from Arizona, and I don't want to say names, but he was on the side that was against having concealed carry in the campuses. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, this is gonna be great, it's gonna be exciting, because now I'm gonna hear both sides mm-hmm. of the story. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna hear just one side.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna learn something right. new.
3: So I thought this was great. And he started out by saying, yes, I went on Google yesterday, and there was only one case where a concealed permit holder stopped a crime. One case. And I'm looking at myself and I'm going, in this room there's 90 people. And I know at least one in this room that stopped a crime mm-hmm. by having a concealed carry. Mm-hmm. So I guess my, my commentary mm-hmm. is that <laughs> I'm hungry for debate. Mm-hmm. Give me... Ammunition, both sides. Mm -hmm. Let me have a feel good moment. Tell me the good and the bad. Give it all to me. Be educated. Mm -hmm. And think about this this is a representative of Arizona that is going to make decisions on laws. Mm -hmm. He was uncomfortable with guns, yet he couldn't explain why. Mm -hmm. He couldn't give us any real figures on why. We shouldn't have guns. He just wasn't comfortable with them. Mm -hmm. That is my problem.
1: Right. His discomfort should not trump our constitutional rights. And yet, in his district, I I would tend to believe that any opportunity he gets, he's going to fall back to his level of comfort, his comfortable position. Uh, He said he has hundreds of people come into his office saying how you know, they agree with him that mm-hmm. guns are bad and they don't belong on college campuses. Never commented how many people come into his office or reach out to him who have the opposite opinion. And I just came away feeling like I think that he maybe only hears, right? Right. Quote, unquote, he hears. No, he doesn't Right. Really Somebody know. could be in front of him speaking to him, but I feel like maybe he doesn't even hear what they're saying unless they're supporting his, his preconceived biases and that is a very normal thing among humans but when you are a representative you are to represent the people in your district and what right. they want now, and not what you want
3: I want to defend again we're not saying who it is but I do want to defend him in, in a couple things one he was young mm-hmm. he was very new at what he was doing mm-hmm. so we're going to give him that and we're also going to say he was very i mean he was up against an opponent this guy knows what he was talking about so the he the statistician right so I like that so word. <laughs> so he knew when he went in there that he was going to have a tough challenge but he stood in front of those 90 people and said what he believed but he was not educated and that is my problem Thank you, James.
1: I am still so jealous that you get Rocky Balboa to lead you in, and you get James Brown
3: to lead you out. Sure, I'm older than you. I have more experience. I know, I know the right people. That's, that's all I can that's say. That's
1: not right. I want, I want to have theme music.
6: <laughs> and, and where are you guys going Tomorrow. And what's Dan gonna be doing? Mm, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> be.
3: Might as well say I'm gonna be at home cooking. Okay, I'm gonna be cooking, waiting for my wife to get home from work. So will I you can be? Just give will
5: will you be listening to James Brown while you're cooking? <laughs>
1: Probably. Yeah. Well, that is true. I will be speaking in front of the NRA uh, Women's Leadership uh, Summit, and Dan will be. Um, accompanying sightseeing and buying stuff. Um, Pat you on your little head. Run along now, buy yourself something. You think the hundred
3: (laughs) and thirty four guns I bought today were something? (laughs) You just wait.
1: I know, I'm very nervous. Maybe I can find something for you to do in conjunction with the uh the summit. Well, I can't believe we're at the end of uh, another show. They go so quickly. I mean, two hours, you blink and it, and it seems like they're done. But I want to thank all of our, our listeners. Thank you so much for taking the time, taking us with you, whether we're in the car with you, if you're on a hike and, and get your earbuds in, you're cleaning the house, you know, whatever it is you're doing. Thank you for taking us with you. And Thank you for our amazing guests, for taking the time out of their life to come on and share their wisdom with us. Thank you to Ed. Thanks Ed for chiming in and having some fun with us today.
6: I wasn't gonna let a few of those go, but I appreciate it. I always <laughs> have fun on your show. You guys I tell you what, you guys educate me more than anybody else I know in this arena. Not just firearms. Wow. But Thank you. In, in the in the political and the conservative mainly.
1: Thank you. I, it
6: really is it's a pleasure and I do enjoy your show.
1: Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate that. And he's he's the one that has to like in between our two-minute breaks, which is no time at all, he's like dialing numbers frantically and trying to get people on the phone. And, and I do busy it so, so much and- better than Blade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ooh, the com- the gauntlet has been thrown. The competition begins now. Yeah, Blade is usually with us, and uh, he's awesome too. So, And until next time, please pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? even the ones you don't like, especially the ones you don't like and be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless.
0: Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers, but only here, Did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since, evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it,